0: This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, October 19th, 2010. I'm Caleb Brown. Does the First Amendment enshrine your right to speak anonymously? Are the touted chilling effects of disclosure laws real? John Samples is the director of the Cato Institute Center for Representative Government. He argues that speaking out about politics shouldn't automatically mean everyone else gets to know who you are.
1: There is a, uh, the thing that I've been noticing in the past, as we get closer to election days, uh, there is a sort of a rule that rhetoric will become more irrational. The thing I've been noticing is that there's been a lot of uh, writing about, particularly campaign finance. That's really, uh, those cliches have become much more pronounced, it seems to me, now than in the past. And And part of it is about uh, untrammeled or secret, secrecy being, uh, getting a heavy emphasis. These things are all themes that have been talked about from at least the 1970s in this area, but it seems to me that it's a little more hackneyed than it has been in the past, particularly the, the aqua metaphors, the metaphors of water and floodgates and flood of new money and all of this, and you know the truth is this is a yet another one of these that we've had now th- the third in a row of an election that's again the aqua metaphor, a wave election. big things are happening the country a lot of people voters in the country are moving back and forth between parties uh, and that's generating a lot of money that people are giving to candidates, to groups to uh, to make this possible because people are upset and engaged as they were in 2006 and 2008. And that's what really is happening. There's nothing untoward here.
0: So much of the money to fund speech Mm -hmm. is being given anonymously. Mm -hmm. That is, the groups do not have to disclose the names Mm -hmm. of their donors. And this is brought up as objectionable. We don't know who these people are saying these things, Mm -hmm. trying to influence elections. Now, Citizens United didn't say anything about uh, the inability of Congress to regulate foreign money. They said that Congress does have that, Mm -hmm. retain that authority. But to the extent that we're talking about Americans who are secretly Mm -hmm. giving money to influence elections, so what?
1: Well— Uh, First of all, the the Citizens United case uh, explicitly says, and prior court decisions have said, that Congress could require disclosure, even of these kind of independent expenditures. Um, They have not. They've not been able to pass a bill. Uh, And I think it should be noted that a lot of people, and I'm probably among them, think they could have passed a very mild Disclosure bill, had they been willing to do that, but instead what they did was propose a bill that had draconian disclosure that was intended to stop people from spending money, uh, and had prohibitions in it, uh, prohibitions on that really overturned Citizens United. So it, we shouldn't go with the notion that you know Congress is somehow shackled by the court and can't even. De- uh, have any kind of disclosure. The fact is they propose a highly partisan bill designed to discourage speech by their opponents, and that's why they don't have it.
0: But the principle here...
1: The principle, yeah.
0: ...is you're going to tell me that I can't give money anonymously to some group to speak publicly in a loud fashion in favor of an idea that I support, or... uh, opposing a candidate I don't like, or perhaps even supporting a candidate I do like.
1: The base, that's the basic idea. And the idea is that the government can do that, force you to disclose at some level, even if you're not contributing in, to a campaign, because voters can gain— it's important to voters to know who is even just supporting speech, Uh, This has nothing to do with the parties or campaigns. That's the court rulings and the the idea. Uh, Now, clearly, the way this works out in practice, though, uh, as I said uh, recently, is both as the Koch family and George Soros from different sides of the political spectrum will tell you, uh, the reason to get people to disclose who are funding these kinds of election efforts, is so you can just viciously set up on them and attack them and sort of question their motives and try to do whatever harm you can to their business and so on. So there's real um, cost to that. And while we sort of pretend that uh, in large measure, this is about educating the public, and there's some of that that does go on, some people do use it as a cue uh, in fact, in this electoral combat, the whole point is to try to raise the cost of contributing to people that uh, from on one side or the other of the debate. And in some cases, those costs can be high enough that you can speak of chilling speech. Uh, with Soros, for example, it's interesting to me that Soros has set out is setting out this uh, election. He's not really involved electorally. Uh, it may be because he believes that uh his candidates or positions are not are going to do very poorly and it would just be a waste of money but i'm wondering if you know the he'd really wanted to go through it again uh without the he also without george bush being in power he felt very strongly about bush uh and without that i'm not sure that he was willing to to go through the abuse.
0: Well, he is an investor, and a lot of the money that otherwise would have gone to campaigns from him has gone into think tanks in a lot of
1: It's gone into think tanks. He's, he's He says he's pursuing his philanthropic interest and in various kinds of content. But again, uh, you do have to wonder about it. I mean, uh, he was, a, like, as the Kochs have now been, or other people uh, associated with Karl Rove, have been cast in the role of a uh, uber demon, right? Um, even for these, these people, pretty strong-willed people, but it's not pleasant.
0: There have been cases of people through, because of disclosure laws, being harassed. Oh, yeah. Uh, and there was just a recent case about it in California. Mm-hmm. And this, it, it strikes me that that's not really part of the discussion when you talk about disclosure is What is the likely response by people who don't like the things that are being said?
1: Starting uh, with the the California example, the best place to get an account of that is the concurring opinion of Justice Thomas and Citizens United that goes over the details of that. Um, In general, yes, there has been uh, in the past. And in fact, uh, under the current rules, a group can be exempt from... uh, mandated disclosure if they can show to the FEC that there is a threat uh, by government to their, uh, or or by individuals, to their organization or to the members of it because of disclosure. Now, the only real group that that has ever been extended to is Socialist Workers Party, uh, which is a famous case. In the past, uh, during the civil rights era, the NAACP was protected in this way. Um, I guess the question, I think the problem of disclosure actually is more subtle and harder to uh, measure in that by the sheer fact of the case, if mandated disclosure chills speech, it's something that didn't happen. If I think by my giving to you money is going to be disclosed and I'm afraid of the consequences, I'm going to think through that and then decide not to, to, to give to begin with, and that's not going to be a record of anything. What you end up with is anecdotes. You have George Soros saying, I talked to a man who wanted to give us some money, but he didn't want to get involved because of all of the hectoring and so on. Uh, that's not systematic data. That's just sort of something that comes to light. The problem has been uh, showing a kind of systematic measurement of the effects. There's also the issue that's just there as part of the wallpaper, as as I think of it. If you're in a district and um, you have an incumbent member of Congress and you have a business and you think this person is doing a bad job and you want to support a challenger, if you give money to the challenger and it's disclosed, uh, you're in a position where an incumbent who wins, uh, is going to know that you support it, maybe in a big way, the challenger. Now, that may not lead to any repercussions or uh, recriminations towards you, but you might think it could, and it might not be irrational to think it could. And that, again, the better part of valor might be to say, do I really need this? Should, you know, should I go ahead and make the contribution and maybe have these problems, or should I just sort of forget it? I think it's part of the story with challengers and funding challengers. I would note, for example, this year a lot of challengers uh, are being funded by groups uh, in, that are out of their state. That is, in Nevada, for example, I, I read that 80 percent of the money is coming for, from out of state – well, that suggests that maybe people who don't have interest in Nevada don't have to worry too much, perhaps about Harry Reid, uh, what he might do to their interest in that state. Uh, so they can have some they have some distance from uh, from the whole situation, and that, to me, suggests that for challengers, there's a real problem, or it could be a real problem with disclosure because it exposes you. And you can be concerned about that. Um, But again, this is a subtle effect that doesn't—we don't have a barometer out there that shows, oh, this person stayed out. This person didn't want to speak out. Um, And I don't—frankly, I don't think people are are going to focus on it too much because you have these— we've had these three elections in a row where there's going to be large turnover and uh, lots of challengers, lots of well-funded challengers.
0: John Samples is director of the Cato Institute Center for Representative Government. You can read more of his work at Cato.org.